Welcome back to another episode of Sweet Script Stories. I'm Eric Grubaugh. And I'm Tim Dietrich. And in this episode, we want to explore a little bit about NetSuite developer job opportunities, um, sort of things like where to find work, how to look for work, uh, what to do besides just job searching, things like that. So, Tim, this is a little bit your idea. Um, if you were looking for a NetSuite developer job opportunity, where would you start? Well, I think the first question to really ask, oddly enough, is do you really need or want a job? And because by saying that, what I'm getting at is maybe you really, you could broaden your horizons a little bit and maybe think about trying to make it on your own either as a freelancer or a contractor or, or what have you. But I, I guess starting with that, um, it, it kind of, again, it, it kind of broadens your opportunities a bit. You don't necessarily have to go online and try to find a full-time position. Although obviously I think a lot of people are going to do that, but sure, maybe you could actually think about making it on your own, depending on where you are in your career. Um, you know, what your skills are, what your long-term interests are, or even short-term interests, not like you have to do it forever, but it's definitely something to think about. So before we really dive into where are the jobs and how can I get them, um, <laughs> maybe think about, again, do you really even want a job? Maybe you do, you want to work for yourself. And there are days where it feels like a job for me, working for myself. Sure. <laughs> a, lot yeah. of, a lot of days like that, so. Yeah. So your thoughts on that? Well, we're both self-employed, so we're probably a little bit biased <laughs> in the answer there. But uh, I think that's a I think that's a question that everyone should be asking themselves uh, from time to time, at least. It's certainly not for everyone. I do not think everyone should be self-employed. Um, you have to want to do a lot more than just the work, as it were. You know, if you want to run a software development business, even if it's just yourself, you have to run a business in addition to writing code, which means you have to do marketing and you have to do sales and you have to do all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. And there's some ways to mitigate that, you know, you can work with recruiters and that sort of thing and just sort of let them farm you out. Uh, but then you, you give up a lot of control over rates and fees and, and things like that and, and how you are how you are viewed by your clients um, so it's not for everyone but it is pretty great <laughs> for the right personality type yeah most of the time <laughs> it can be it can also be way worse than a job way worse yeah yes absolutely and it's easy to get uh, to think that the grass is greener on the other side, depending, in, regardless of what side of the fence you're standing on, whether you're like full-time employed, unemployed, <laughs> or working mm -hmm. for yourself, there's times where it's like, oh, man. Um, so, yeah, but it, it's something to think about, right? And so I think just yeah. kind of putting that out there right from the, right from the start is, uh, is good. And maybe we mm -hmm. will, we've talked about being a solo slash self-employed NetSuite developer in previous episodes, but maybe at some point we'll have a, an episode that's kind of dedicated to that 
Um, but for now, I guess we'll just kind of leave it as, hey, you know, don't dismiss that idea. You know, it may be sure. a good fit for you. you know, I think, and I've talked to people that are on their own as contractors, not necessarily in the NetSuite space, but they actually ended up being on their own out of necessity. You know, they got frustrated and tired of looking for a development job and they were just like, well, then I'll just do it myself. Right. And, uh, you know, it's, so it's, it's, you can do it for sure. Um, well, yeah, if it's your thing. Development certainly lends itself very well to that sort of thing. There's a sort of a, if you, if you already have the skills, if you're already a developer, you're already a NetSuite developer, really software development in general, you already have most of what you need. You, you have a computer, you probably have an internet connection. Um, that's just about all you need to, to get started. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So assuming that you do decide, well, I'm just gonna, I really do want a NetSuite development job. Mm -hmm. um, let's talk about some ways that people that are looking for Sort of traditional jobs, uh, like where those opportunities are and how they, you know, where they can find them. Um, I, I'll start with saying that I think the the absolute best way to uh, sort of uncover opportunities is to tap into your network, assuming that you have one and you really should. Um, I, I think what you're going to find there is jobs that. And I know I'm from personal experience, I've run into this, um, opportunities that aren't listed anywhere else. They're not on any job site. You're never going to find them searching the web. Um, you know, it's just people that are looking for um, help. You know, we need a developer for this or a developer for that. And, you know, if you're on LinkedIn and your network, uh, somebody in your network posts something like that, you know, that's... I don't know. To me, those are, are like the cream of the crop in terms of opportunities, assuming that you are a good fit for it. Um, the other thing I'll mention, too, about, about the networking aspect of looking for a job is I think it's a good idea to build your network before you need a job. Yes. Uh, it should be something you're <laughs> you. always doing, right? It's like, it's like you're, you should always be like trying to meet new people and grow your network and so on really kind of think of yourself as a company and that um, networking is your, I, I think it should be your primary means of, of marketing yourself. You know, it's free for the most part, right? It just takes a little bit of time. Um, so anyway, I think the number one way to find opportunities is your network. Um, mm -hmm. Do you agree with that? I do. And that, I think that's true, whether you're going out on your own or uh, looking for a job. You have this inherent trust built up already with your network. So whether it's someone who refers you somewhere or considers you, you know, hiring you directly, something like that, that's automatically gives you more credibility, more trust than any other candidate. Um, you, you can talk about it a lot in like businessy terms, right? You're building your own brand or you're marketing yourself or or whatever. And there's an aversion to that, I think, especially in the software development space, because there's some really bad marketing. Uh, bad marketing is very visible. It's a very, you have a very visceral reaction to it. Good marketing is invisible. So, you know, how do you 
quote market yourself uh as as someone looking for a job it's really just have some relationships you don't you don't have to be hosting events or having parties post covid or anything like that you don't have to be going to meetups just use social media you can use email and just keep in touch with people share interesting things create so uh, if you're whether you're looking for a job or working in a job right now just you should as a developer be learning we've talked about this you should always be learning not even as a developer as a human you should always be learning and growing and developing and do that in public share what you can obviously your company might have some ndas and confidential stuff that's fine but whatever you can share uh do yeah i agree with what you said there especially uh, you know i think i feel pretty strongly about um you know publishing blogging you know if you if you can um yeah but that's my number one way of of getting business and um, it's been pretty phenomenal. Um, but also just like you said, sharing things, it can be open source projects. It can be, you know, code snippets here and there as part of, you know, blog posts or posts on medium or LinkedIn or whatever. Um, mm. you know, all those things build awareness in terms of who you are and what you do uh, right. both within your little network. And, and I think, you know, when you're on a, a social media platform, something like 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 LinkedIn, um, you know, it kind of goes beyond just your immediate network, right? Hopefully, your network shares it with somebody else who had no idea that you even existed, or mm -hmm. you just never know uh, what's going to come from that. Um, and then I also wanted to point out that another way to kind of build awareness, and we see this a lot, is um, by helping people out online on places like the Ooh, yeah. professional slack mm -hmm. i know you i don't know how involved you still are but the, the stack overflow um you know the netsuite questions there um, yeah. there's always some there and on reddit um, so there's a lot of ways to show that you you know you have some expertise in all this right and it, you know every little bit you can do to help um, of course, we've talked about this before too offline, but um, I'll bring it up. I think there are some people who go a little overboard. <laughs> like it's almost like it becomes their full time job. They're the NetSuite or SuiteScript technical support person, you know, for the <laughs> entire community. Like that. I don't know how they do anything else because they seem to be always online, always answering questions. And, you know, it's great, but wow. Right. Um, so interesting. Yeah. Be, it's, Similar to what I just said, just participate, share, help, mm -hmm. work in public. If you don't work in public, no one else will know you exist. So in order to be sort of elevate yourself above the rest of the community, you have to be present in that community. So use the, the communities, the tools of the internet, this wonderful system we have that keeps us all employed use it share work in public the other thing i wanted to mention and we talked about this in episode nine and that is um specialization you know find a niche 
in the NetSuite space if you can. And and I think we actually mentioned this in that episode that um, it, I, it can potentially help you find the right opportunity or have, maybe I'll turn that around, the right opportunity find you. Um, you know, if you become known as a, a specialist in a certain topic within NetSuite, um, that could be a good career move for you in general. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, it might not necessarily help you find a job, but it might help someone who's looking for someone like you to find you and know right off the bat that, hey, this is the person a great, that's going to be a great fit for this role. I'm going to reach out and talk to them. I think you and I have both experienced that before. So not so much helping you find a job, but helping a job find you. So I would encourage anybody who has listened to that episode to go back. It's episode nine and we'll link to it. So. Yeah. It's uh, whether you're, whether you are looking for a job or starting a business or running a business, whatever it is, specialization is intimidating for sure. It's scary. It's a very scary thing to do. Um, but it makes everything so much easier. It helps you focus. Uh, it helps you focus sort of what problems you solve. It helps you focus on who you're talking to, who you are researching. If it's employers, you're going to be looking for people who solve similar problems to that focus area, uh, or you're going to be looking for alternative. If you're running a business, you're going to be looking for clients who've solved problems in that area. Um, it just makes everything easier in yeah, that it, sense, in the sort of creation or the, I hesitate to use marketing, but in the marketing part of this, in the, you want to use that to occupy a very small window in someone's mind. Let's where we start talking about positioning, but otherwise, if you just say, I'm a NetSuite developer and I develop NetSuite things for anyone who has NetSuite. You are now competing against every single NetSuite developer, every single NetSuite partner, every single NetSuite consultant. You're competing against all of them, all of them in the world. And that's a lot. That's a healthy competition market. You have to come up with a very compelling case as to why you're a better fit than thousands of other people. But if you can narrow that competition by focusing in one sort of more specific area, then that competition just sort of fades away. Right. Yeah. And has the potential, you know, if you can imagine that you're someone who's trying to hire a developer, a NetSuite developer, and, um, you see a resume where somebody is clearly specializing in something. If that something happens to be uh, of value to the person that's hiring, then your resume is going to kind of naturally float to the top. You know, it's going to be clear. It's going to be the way that you stand out from the other potential candidates. Um, I would even argue that if you specialize and position yourself the right way, there's a pretty good chance you're never going to be looking for work. <laughs> it's going to be constantly knocking on your door. So, mm-hmm. um, and that's a pretty great place to be at times. So. 
Yeah, it's it's <laughs> turn this into a specialization episode again, but it just it it's the scary part is that it it feels like you are dramatically narrowing the opportunities. Uh, but it's just you, whether you're um, starting out on your own or whether you are looking for a job, you just need one. Uh, you know, if you're looking for a job, you just need one job. You're not trying to get 12 jobs. You're not trying to get 100 jobs. You need one job. So you don't need thousands of potential opportunities. You need dozens. So narrowing the sort of potential space of opportunities is scary, nerve-wracking, but also you're if you do that and then again are working in public and and people can find you or you can find them uh, people you know you can help with that focus area you will be so far above anyone else who is trying to help them because you clearly understand their space yeah. and you don't need that much to be you don't need that much additional knowledge to be considered an expert or specialized in something I agree. Again, you know, if you haven't already listened to our episode on specialization, <laughs> really should. Um, and I think we bring it up a lot. <laughs> yeah. The horse is the horse is dead. <laughs> yeah. But this is, I mean, it, it's another, it really is another um, you know, way that specialization can help. You know, again, regardless, you said it, regardless of whether you are starting a business, running a business, or looking for work it's something to consider and uh we'll just yeah. sort of leave it there for now because <laughs> we could talk about it all i'll try to I'll try and to we will <laughs> i'll try to leave it alone i'm sure i'll come back to it yeah well yeah it's good all okay right, so, so assuming that you really do decide that yes i need a job uh-huh. regardless of whether you're specializing or not whatever but you're like okay i've got to find work um Besides your network, where else can you go? Um, I could answer that, or I can let you. Maybe you've got other ideas, but it's fun. It's been so long since I've looked for a job, and I, you know, if I were to look for a job, I would be reaching out to my network, right? And that's, and. And know I'm, I'm copping out. I'm going to make you answer the, your own question here <laughs> because, I mean, beyond that, you have, I guess you have, um, right, so you, you've emailed everyone you've known, you know, you've texted everyone you know, you've posted on Twitter and LinkedIn and all that stuff. There's, of course, there's job sites, Monster, and I don't even know what, Indeed, those places there are. Other maybe stopgap places you can use like uh, Upwork and places like that. Uh, I would just be, you give up a lot of power when you go to places like that. You lose almost all your negotiating power. Uh, So say a place like Upwork, you have to consider who is buying on Upwork and, or places like Upwork, I'm not... (laughs) I'm not trashing Upwork, but most often the the most common people buying there are going to look for a sort of job title 
they're going to sort by price ascending and sort of scan the top few people there. And yeah. if they go to page two, that's very surprising. So you are very much, if you're going there, you just need to know you are probably entering a competition in, or entering a race to the bottom, basically, in terms of pricing or fees. Yeah, I I guess I, I agree with you. I think I look at the job sites as kind of a last resort. Um, the ones that I thought of were pretty much the same ones that you mentioned. Indeed.com is really, I think, very popular in general. I, just before the episode, I searched on all these sites just to see what would come up if I if I searched for SweetScript in particular. Um, and on Indeed, I saw 149 jobs that had SweetScript mentioned, which I thought was interesting. Monster.com, which used to be like the job site, um, and I think it still is depending on the industry. It only had 66 jobs, which I thought that was also interesting because there was a time where that was the, again, the place to go. Yeah, I mean, that's um, the one I mentioned. So you know how long it's been since I had to look for it. Yeah. Right. I think Indeed has maybe pulled ahead. But I think this was interesting. Like LinkedIn has, you know, a job uh, function, job search function. It's a huge part of what LinkedIn does. And I searched for SweetScript. It had 157 jobs, so more than any of the other um, more general sites. Uh-huh. I then searched on a couple of other things that I thought were interesting, like NetSuite Developer, because not every job has SweetScript in the, um, you know, in the description. And so 93 jobs came up for that. And then just for kicks, I searched just for NetSuite, which could be anything. You know, it could be administrators, developers, or just, you know, NetSuite experience would be nice. You know, maybe it's accounting or whatever. I don't know. 6,003 jobs for that mentioned NetSuite, which was also kind of shocking to me. That's a lot of opportunity. Uh, yeah. And then it's hard to say what they really are, right? You have to dig sure. a little bit. Um, so anyway, I think if you're just looking for a job and you're looking at the job sites, LinkedIn, I would definitely recommend looking at that. Um, you mentioned Upwork, and that is, you know, it's a job site, but it's different uh, in right. that it's primarily geared to, it's primarily geared to small and short-term, like gigs, I would call right. them. Yeah. There are occasionally jobs posted there, um, which is interesting. And um you know, you mentioned it too. Like, I think the catch there is that I don't even know how to say this without sounding weird about it, but it, the rates that people are expecting to pay and that I think people are offering in order to do those, that work, mm-hmm. it, it, it's just crazy. I, you know, I looked at a bunch of different things. Crazy low. Crazy low. Um Usually, and I saw some that you know, twelve dollars an hour. The high end was thirty dollars an hour. Some they don't tell you what they're willing to pay, or they cap it. You know, like we need a full ERP implementation. We're willing to pay five hundred dollars for it. <laughs> I'm making that up, but I wouldn't be surprised to see something like that. Um, regardless, it's still worth a look because there may be some interesting opportunities there that. I don't, I don't know. I can't imagine actually needing NetSuite help and going there to get it. Um, but apparently people do. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So there's that. 
So, okay. Uh, yeah, okay. So there's a lot of places to look. There's only so much productive job searching you can do in a, in a day, let's say. There's only so much time you can spend staring at LinkedIn or Upwork or whatever else it is or, or being on the phone or whatever it might be. Yeah. What, what else would you be doing during that time? You know, if you're search, if you are searching for a job, maybe you're unemployed, or maybe you just really hate your current job. What what else would you be doing with your time during that job search? Besides just looking at job postings and and contacting and filling out, you know, resume forms. Yeah, I I think the number one thing I would be trying to do is to grow that network that we talked about before. And again, I would do that by reaching out to people. Um, you know, acquaintances and acquaintances of acquaintances and so on. Um, and I would be doing all the things we talked about earlier, you know, trying to build awareness of who you are and what you do and the value that you bring, you know, to an organization and do that through blogging and sharing and all that stuff. Um, mm -hmm. The other thing I would recommend too is, you, you know, when you're looking at the jobs that are available, and the ones that maybe you think that would be a really awesome job to have, but I don't qualify for it. Look at the gap between where you are and what they're asking for the, in terms of skills and see if you can't find a way to get some knowledge that would kind of close that gap. Maybe it means mm -hmm. taking a Udemy course, or maybe it means, you know, <laughs> buying a book off Amazon and, or whatever, you know, exploring something. Um, mm -hmm. It goes back to what you were saying or like earlier too about you've got to constantly be learning and, you know, what better time to be doing that than, you know, between like calls with, with recruiters or, you know, sending out another batch of resumes or whatever, you know, maybe there's a way to kind of give yourself a break and still be kind of productive in positioning yourself, you know, to get a, a great job. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I like that advice. And I think to, to tack on to that, it's, if you are looking for a job, obviously it's a, especially if you are out, if, you, if you're looking for a job because you don't have one and you need income, that's a very stressful, strenuous time. But it's also an opportunity to, to do some reflection on what it is you really want to be doing and let's say for the sake of this podcast that what you really want to be doing is be a NetSuite developer yeah absolutely find that job or those companies that are ideal and then identify the gaps just like Tim said and when you do that learning whether it's a Udemy course or whatever it might be that you choose to to fill those gaps do that learning in public there are lots of opportunities to do that. Um, just cr create, right? Create something in public. And there's lots of uh, free options. There's places like uh, Medium where you can publish. It's pretty easy to get up and running with a podcast. <laughs> you just need uh, your laptop microphone, and that's about it. <laughs> we're, we're proof of that, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, just uh, try to work in some creation and do exactly what Tim said and build that sort of portfolio or just these these resources you have and, and just share them and just work in public learn 
in public um, and avoid at all costs pushing the publish button on that I'm super desperate for a job post. Uh, I know it's like a stressful time and, and but that uh, just evaporates any negotiating power you would have and you just you give up everything once you if you get a say you do get some work through the I'm super desperate post uh, I can't imagine it's going to be a great one or last very long and you will be right back where you started in a few months yeah yeah so let's talk about jobs that you do find online and Okay. There's two parts to this. So let's suppose that you're looking at, at a job online, a NetSuite job. And I'm just I'm gonna bring this up in general, but let's talk about certifications. You know, we, we sometimes see jobs posted where you know certifications are nice to have. I think you know, we were talking before this episode, before we started recording about I don't think either one of us have ever seen one where a certification was required to get the job, but you had some interesting thoughts on that. And I guess I'll throw this out to you as a question as well, just in general. Um, if you don't have a certification, should you be worried about that? Should you stress out about the fact that you, you don't have a certification and you really want to find a position with a NetSuite uh, firm? Um, are, you, are you just out of luck. <laughs> Should that be the thing you're trying to do while no. you're also looking for work? <laughs> no. Next question. <laughs> Great. That's a good way to sum it up. <laughs> uh, no, it, it shouldn't be. I, I will expand, expand on that. Uh, we talked to Chidi a few months ago now. Uh, he's been doing a lot of surveying and, and interviews about these certifications lately. So I definitely go check out, check out his stuff over at NetSuite Insights. Um, but no, I have never seen a job that job posting that requires certification. I have worked for and with partners who require it sort of once you, once you're hired, once you're working there, you know, a certification might be required for a promotion or after a certain amount of time in the company. And usually the company pays for it then. Should you be stressing out about them? No, absolutely not. Again, nowhere is requiring them. They can be very expensive depending on where you live. And so that time, you should not be stressing about them. If you can afford them, just take them. <laughs> like study the study guides, take them or don't. Uh, but do not stress about them. How many certifications do you have, Tim? You're going to make me stress out about this. <laughs> no, no, I still, I don't. I mean, I don't. Uh, yeah, I, I don't have any of the certifications. And it's interesting. Like, and yeah, I would love to have them. But nobody ever asked. Like you said, it, you yeah. told me that before. That's where I was going. Is <laughs> You seem to have a very successful business doing NetSuite development without any certifications. Yeah. I I have them, but mine are expired. And I also have <laughs> a business based on SweetScript. 
Right. So I, I do not think anyone should stress about them. If you are stressed about them, then if you can afford them, take them. If you can't, don't, and focus that energy elsewhere. And again, take a class or uh, just do some research, do some learning in public, do some creation. Okay. So that's the certification uh, thing that I wanted to ask about. And then the other question, and I'm going to throw it back to you because I know you have really strong and interesting feelings about this and I should say experience. Uh -oh. the, so suppose you're looking at a job online or maybe you've been offered a position. What red flags should you look for? What things should you look for that are kind of like, uh, you know, alarm bells should be gone off in your head about maybe this isn't the best opportunity that I, <laughs> that I could get. Like what, it, what should people be looking for? Especially sweet script developers. I'll kind of narrow it down a bit. Yeah. I, I wrote about a few months ago, I wrote a lot about this sort of I did a series on red flags and job, job descriptions as I see them. Um, and I do still, I get job postings. I see job postings a lot. I, and I do look at them for this sort of thing, for this sort of conversation. So what I look for when I'm reading them are how you can learn a lot about a company or a position from, from the way they write their job description. And the main question or the main sort of thing in my head as I'm reading them is how, how weighted is this language towards the company or towards the employee? And so let me go through some examples. The very first one is, is there a salary range? Uh, it's unbelievable to me when there is no salary range posted with a job description. And it might be all of these that I'm about to go through might be perfectly innocent and not implying there's any uh, malicious or nefarious behavior behind any of these, but these are my interpretations of them and how I, <laughs> how I see and, and interpret those. So no salary. Why not? Are you not proud of the salaries you pay your people? Are you trying to pay them as little as you can get away with? Um, you know, what, why, why not? Have you not done the work to figure out how much, um, this role is worth to your company and haven't, you know, valued or priced? Basically, that's what you're doing in the salary, right? Is you're pricing, uh, this work uh, based on how valuable it is for your company. So it, it makes me think they just haven't, either they don't understand how valuable it is. So they're trying to pay as little as they can get away with and still get sort of good talent or they're just not or they know exactly how much they're going to pay and it's not they're not proud of it because it's not competitive um, and I think making someone like if you're going to interview someone make maybe they have a job already or maybe they they don't you're going to make them take time away from their job their current job or whatever else is to interview and then go through several rounds of interviews to find out, oh, this pays two thirds of what my current job does. That's 
ludicrous. Uh, so I look for things like that that very clearly weight um, the the position, I guess, towards the company. Um, I'm gonna let you react to that. I have more to go through. No, I think that's really interesting because, you know, even when I was poking around on those job sites before the episode and I told you I was searching on them, I was surprised at how many jobs were listed that did not have a salary. Mm -hmm. um, that was kind of shocking to me. Some of them did. And sometimes the salary was also shocking. That's a whole other story. When I say shocking in a bad, I'm talking about in a bad way. Um, so, right. the, you know, there's that. Almost um, always when, when, when you do see a salary, it's like 140K US, which means when you don't see one, like you see the, the really good salaries, right? They publish, companies will publish when they think they pay really well. And often they, so the converse of that, right, is they're not publishing it, so they're probably not paying super well. They don't want to advertise it. Right. Or a lot of times, especially if a post comes through a recruiter, rather than straight from the company, the recruiter's not going to post the salary because they want to get you on the phone or they want to get your email or whatever it is, right? Yeah, and that brings up something else too. I, and I've seen this and I've been approached by um, recruiters that do this where it looks like it really is a position, an opportunity that's available. And in reality, it's just sort of a broad, like they're just casting a net. It's if you mm -hmm. looked they're a month, two months, yeah, you're going to see the exact same job listed the exact same way. And it's an, always an urgent requirement. Mm -hmm. You know, you know our, our client is hiring and just, you know, need somebody immediately. Immediate join. Blah, blah, blah. All right. <laughs> and it's fine. You know, I, I, ping you every once in a while and I'll say to you, I think I've done it over the past, you know, how many months you're probably sick of me doing it. But, and I'll stop if you are as to tell me, but it seems to be certain like days uh, each month where um, it's like a recruiter frenzy, you know, where you get the requests on LinkedIn or you get an email from them and it's very um, pushy sometimes. You know? It's quota time. Right. I've got this great job. I think you'd be a fit for what time tomorrow is a good, can we talk? I've had them actually do that yeah. on a weekend. I know it's going to be the weekend, but can we, and that's fine, I, you know, but, oh boy. So anyway, I thought I'd mention that too, that sometimes a job isn't really a job, but that's a whole, probably a whole other thing. I, don't, <laughs> I can't even begin to tell you how to recognize it other than you know it when it happens to you. So, Okay, so what other red flags? That's a big one, not seeing the salary. That's definitely you know, cause for alarm, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. There are others like other phrases I look for that I see all the time. And again, I wrote about these, so I, I ripped them apart a while ago, but uh, phrases like, or keywords, maybe like ability to multitask or needs to wear multiple hats, um, things like that. Mm -hmm. I read as we are disorganized. We don't know how to prioritize. We, you will not be able to focus. We're going to pull you whatever direction the wind blows. Um, I, so those are a couple that immediately signal uh, dysfunction to me. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'll, I'll link, link to and we'll link to some of my posts. I'm not going to remember yeah. them all off the top of my head here, but definitely. So related to that, you know, are the jobs where that seems like they want everything. It's not they're not telling you like, hey, you're going to be doing a million things, although they might do that as well. But there's definitely code in that. There's code in there that you can you can tease that out for sure. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So I guess like what I'm getting at is like you start looking at the it's kind of a laundry list of skills and things that they either want you to have or, mm -hmm. you know, things they're expecting you to do. Everything from we want you to be our uh, CFO and the de lead developer, manage HR, DBA, <laughs> NetSuite administrator, negotiate our contracts with NetSuite and other supply. I'm being funny, but not really. I mean, you see stuff like that. Yeah, the skills um, list is just fraught with landmines. Yeah. Yeah, th and, things like nonsensical uh, experience. Uh, lengths, right? Like you need 10 years of sweet script and uh, for a junior developer or something like mm -hmm. that. I, I've definitely recently, in the last couple of months, I've seen a job posting for a junior NetSuite developer with four years of sweet script experience. I would be so insulted if I had been working in sweet script for four years, like something so narrow and so specialized for four years. And you hired me and paid me as a junior developer. Yeah. So let's talk about that for a second too. Are there red flags around the titles of jobs? Because I find them to be very confusing. Especially <laughs> there's no, when there's certainly no space. standard, right? Yeah, that's just it. And some of them are just, they really are, uh, you know, hard to decipher. Mm-hmm. But is that something that you see as well? And is it a red flag? Like if you see a certain title, you're like, okay, no, <laughs> not even going to go to that one or even consider it. Not that you would anyway, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I think it just depends. A lot of it depends on what you're looking for. I, I don't, I see them as less of a red flag, I guess. Again, it depends on what you're looking for. If you are, uh, definitely wanting to specialize in SweetScript and, and spend all your time doing NetSuite development and the job title is something else like business systems developer or something like that, you're probably going to get thrown at a lot of other stuff. Uh, so I'd be looking for titles more like NetSuite developer, right? Right. Uh, I put less stock, I guess, in terms of red flags, at least in the title, because they're so widely varied and so many companies have different systems and standards and there's no, you know, there's no global standard for job titles. So yeah, one, one company's senior developer is very different than another's. Right. For some, that's as far as you can go. And for others, that's the second rung on the ladder of 12. <laughs> so who knows? Yeah. Right. Um, you really have to dig a little bit to see what they're, what that title means to that company, I guess. Mm -hmm. What I'd be more interested in, and we can get into this, is like more interesting than the title is if you do get an interview and when you have an opportunity to ask questions directly from 
hiring manager or someone at the company, like, what is your, okay, this is a title. That's great. What are the other titles? What do the career, do you have career paths? Do you have career progressions? Do you have defined requirements to move between roles or did you just wing the title <laughs> and you just sort of call people whatever they want to be called? Yeah. It's less about, it's less about the title itself and like, okay, where does that fit in your organization and how do I move? What are the paths, the options I have to move beyond that, to grow within it and move beyond it? Right. We can get into questions you should be, or you could be asking, but I have, yeah. I do have a story about a job description. This is not one I saw. I had a friend, I think just a couple of days ago, send me, he, he took a screenshot of a job description that a recruiter sent to him. And one of the bullet points of under the requirements was we reserve the right to change these responsibilities at any time. Like what a weird thing to put in a job description. That's, that's not okay to just like <laughs> right. pull the rug out from under somebody's job like that. Like we reserve the right to turn you from a NetSuite developer into a bank teller. Yeah. Well, it's kind of a red flag, just the fact that it's like a, a disclaimer on the one. job. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. In the job posting, like we might change your responsibilities whenever we feel like it. Yeah. Oh boy. Interesting. Yeah, uh, so that's a big red flag. Yeah. <laughs> Again, right. something that things like that, that are obviously super weighted in favor of the company, as opposed to the, you know, the person joining the person they are supposedly trying to attract to work with their organization. If, if the <laughs> job description reads like a cover your ass document, like they're trying to, they're defensive. Uh, they're trying to be defensive up front. Those are giant red flags. Uh, they are looking at employees as a cost center, not as a value add to their organization. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Employees are expensive, but <laughs> they should not be hiring someone if they are. Right. It's almost like they're looking at hiring that person. Is, that, that person is going to be a liability to them and not exactly. an asset. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. exactly correct. So I know you didn't mention this as a red flag, and I'm not really saying that it it is to me, although if I were uh -huh. looking for a job, it would be a requirement. Um, sure. You know, especially nowadays with everything going on, the pandemic and everything, there, I have noticed in looking at the jobs that I've, I've seen that there is a lot more um, lenience in terms of location. Like it used to be the rare job where working remote was even a possibility it looks like that has started to shift and you know that's i think a really good thing i in looking at the jobs that i saw it, it started to become a red flag to me where if, if where it actually said like hey you know we're, we're based out of wherever fill in the blank and mm -hmm. you know you you have to be here physically <laughs> um you know because I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I've been working on my own for so long and, you know, almost all of my clients are, you know, <laughs> nowhere near close enough to me that I could drive to them for the most part, maybe a few, but, um, right. 
you know, I work remotely and it's, it's kind of second nature to me now. And I don't see a real necessity to work in an office, you know, for someone or whatever. So I guess what I'm getting as I see it as a red flag, I'm just curious as to what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, that one's, to me, that one's a little more personal. You know, there are plenty of people who want to work in an office. Yeah. And and want to not work from home for plenty of reasons. And that's, that's fine. That may not be a red flag to you. To me, in, in general, I think remote work, especially in the software development space and especially post-COVID, uh, it's absolutely the future of software development work. Companies mm-hmm. are going to have to learn how to work remotely or probably fade away eventually. I don't know how long that takes. COVID is not... COVID did not create that trend. That was already happening. That shift in yeah. the software space, at least, was already happening. COVID just happened to kick it in the ass and ramp it, it up for everyone. Right. Yeah, for sure. And I think the benefits of remote work, not that we want to go into this in depth right now, but you know, it benefits <laughs> both the person looking for a job and somebody that's hiring. You, know, you might find that there's a really great candidate for a job and they can't relocate, you know, so. And why should they have to? Right. And what a shame to pass on them just simply because, you know, you're not willing to work with somebody remotely. Yeah. Um, what a... Again, we could talk forever about remote work, but I it, I just thought it was interesting to see that there really do seem to be more, it, it's more accepted now, you know. And I've also seen companies that actually, I'll use the word brag, <laughs> you know, they they kind of, they're proud of the fact that, you know, they are 100% remote. Um, mm. and, I, and I think it's pretty cool when I see that. So, and especially the ones where they're like, we've always been 100% remote. That's cool. You know, yeah. That's my kind of company. <laughs> sure. For me, certainly, if I was looking for a job, that would be a, a red flag if they needed me to relocate. If I, that, I mean, that's a red flag. Actually, it's, it's more than a red flag for me. That's a full stop <laughs> for a client. Right now, if a client thinks they need me on site, we are not going to be a good fit. Yeah. Right. It might be different if you're doing implementations or something like that, but I'd argue that even those can mm. be done remotely. I, I did one last year, and, you know, I've never met that client in person. So, you know, yeah, so it can be done. Yeah, I'm sure we could debate that with plenty of people. But for yeah. me, for my business and if i were hiring someone uh either directions either so whether it's me working with a client or me hiring someone uh there's no need for us to be in the same room yeah okay so any other red flags or potential things to look for when you're looking at a job or considering one uh, I think we covered most of mine, at least the ones I can think of off the top of my head here. Okay. So you, you, let's say you find a position that the description doesn't have any red flags in it. It's the perfect job. You, or so it appears on paper, at least you're starting to interview 
What questions are you asking about the job, the company? What questions are you asking? It's been so long since I've been in that position that I wouldn't, I'd have to sit down and think about it. But I can say that I've always approached the interview as it being kind of a, it, it's something that's going in both directions. You know, I, I'm interviewing them as much as they're interviewing me. And that's how I always looked at it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, I want to know if I'm a good fit, you know, and I, I, I certainly want to answer the questions to help them determine it on their side. You know, it, it, I guess what I'm getting at there is that, it's an opportunity to determine for both parties whether or not this is a, an arrangement that's going to work, a relationship that's going to pan out. Mm -hmm. Is this a company I really want to work for? What do they do? You know, what do they believe in? How do, it's everything you said earlier. You know, how do they how do they treat their employees? What's the opportunity for growth, both in terms of like position and salary, but also just skills and experience, like. Is it going to be challenging enough or is it just going to be a snooze fest? You know? mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I don't, know. I don't think I've really answered your question in detail, but I would certainly ask a lot of questions. I don't just, I don't know exactly what they would be. Yeah. I think you hit on a very important point that it is, it is a relationship first. Um, there's certainly, there's tons of advice on like, questions to ask during an interview uh, as far as like sort of the logistics I guess of the company what's their tech stack and how big is the team and that sort of stuff um, sure yeah. ask all those but <laughs> that doesn't really tell you what it's like to work there um, so yeah I'm going to be asking about growth you know why are you hiring for this position what is this position's role within the team, within the company? How does it sort of fit within the value structure of the company? Uh, what are the paths into and out of this role? You know, what does if if you were you know let's fat let's say I get hired and a year from now I have just knocked it out of the park. What does that look like? What, how do you evaluate success for this position? Um, yeah. Is there, you know, along with that, how do I grow? How do I succeed in this position? How do I grow out of it? Do you have access to training? Do you pay for training? Do you give me time for training? Are you going to drive me to be 100% billable? Uh, what, you know, how do you evaluate developer success or success for this position and then i'd want to know specifics on what i'm going to be working on in my first few weeks my first six months what does your onboarding program look like do you bring me in and throw me onto a stressful project do you have a training project do you have specific projects in mind for me right now or are you just hiring me to put on your bench um that sort of stuff. Yeah, I think a good I question. I through a whole bunch of stuff there. <laughs> no, but it was all really, yeah, I mean, those were great questions to ask. Um, 
and you may have hit on this one in one form or another, but like, why are you hiring for this position? Like, you know, is it a new position? Did somebody leave? Mm -hmm. You know, is it, is it because of growth? Did you pick up a new client? You know, whatever. It's kind of good to know, like, why are they hiring for that? Yeah. All, all of a sudden, or have they been, and that's another thing, have they been looking, you know, trying to fill this position for a really long time? Sometimes they'll tell you that, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. How I, a lot of companies will brag about their pipeline in interviews. You know, mm -hmm. you could say, you know, why are you hiring, hiring me? Did you get a new client? And they'll say, oh, we have 12 projects ready to go. So we're hiring like crazy. Well, if they're in the pipeline. They're not closed. And it, and you also want to know, Okay, how many repeat customers do you have? <laughs> like, right. do they do they come back? You know, how stable is your client base? Yeah, I'm sort of skewing this towards a professional services position, I suppose. It's a little different if you're going to work for maybe an internal, you know, work for an end user. But yeah, but if you're not, those are great questions to ask. Like yeah. if you're being hired on for a specific project or a specific project for a client, what is your future when that project ends? Yeah, <laughs> you know? or especially if that if they're like preemptively hiring, which professional mm -hmm. services companies absolutely do. They hire for what's in their pipeline. Yeah. And then what happens if those projects don't close? Are they are you, you know, are you cut loose? It's a great question to ask. It's good to know because essentially at that point, depending on the answer, it still might be an appealing job to you, but it may be something where at first you thought it's a full-time opportunity and maybe mm. it's really just a contract opportunity in disguise. You know, it's right. Yeah. It's that 90 days and you're done. So it's uh it increases something like that increases the risk profile for sure. Right. And you you may be willing to take that risk and that is totally okay, but other people will not. Either way, you sh you should want that information so you understand more fully the risk you are taking. Every job you take is a risk. No job is guaranteed for infinite time. Mm -hmm. That's right. So backing up just a little bit from the interview process, I want to talk for a second about how you present yourself in terms of your resume whether that's actually a resume that you're sending to somebody or how you're presenting, like if it's on LinkedIn. Um, because it's important, I think, and people wonder, like, what should the resume look like? What should you have on it? You know, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and I just wanted to throw a couple of things out. I just general advice on the resume thing. I used to do this, like, um, I would look for again, I call it like a dream job, you know, like, oh man, this would be an awesome job to have. Um, and I would use that not only to try to figure out what skills I didn't have that would prevent me potentially from getting that job. But in some cases, the way that those jobs are described can really kind of help you to figure out how you should be describing yourself. In other words, you can start to kind of align your resume with the jobs that you are you would like to get. I'm not saying you know lift entire like content from a job description and drop it into your resume if you don't really <laughs> have that skill, but it can help you to figure out well, how are the, how are people describing the job that I'd really like to have, and can I somehow use similar you know 
words and phrases in my resume to talk about what I've done in the past and so on. So I wanted to bring that up because I think that it's an interesting way, um, you know, to, to craft your resume. Um, and I also, I'm going to link to all these links, but a couple of weeks ago on the NetSuite Professionals Slack, and I think this may have been in the job channel, um, someone posted a bunch of very helpful links. It's um, actually, there was an example of like a NetSuite consultant's uh, a sample resume, one for a, ER, a NetSuite ERP consultant. And there was a link to um, how to write a, a killer NetSuite resume that Anderson Frank had put out. Um, so if you're struggling with the resume part of the whole job search, um, I'll link to a bunch of this stuff and uh, hopefully this will help you, you know, to kind of clear that up. Mm -hmm. um, do you have any thoughts on that part of the job search? Yeah, I think first the, that jobs channel, we can link to this, but is a great place to go in general and, and to look another good place to sort of do a search um, or to maybe post monitor it. it, monitor it for sure. Maybe post that you're available, but mm -hmm. uh, boy, do better than I'm a NetSuite developer looking for work. Yeah. We see that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Guess what? There are twenty five hundred developers in the SweetScript channel. Maybe even closer to three thousand by now. So, <laughs> you have some stiff competition right there. Um, but yeah, as far as resumes go, boy, I it's been a while. It's been a long while since I've thought about a resume. What I would say is again going back to my advice of doing work in public, whether that is publishing stuff you're learning or having a portfolio site or just do, you know, doing open source work, things like that. All pretty common advice in the development space. That stuff should be front and center in your resume. More so, I think, than your education or your job experience is the stuff you do in public right now or very recently. Um, I know when I was once upon a time, when I was a development manager and doing hiring, boy, resumes blend together, but, uh, articles or GitHub repos or whichever hosting platform you choose, <laughs> uh, those jumped out. I remember, um, interviewing one person and eventually hiring this person who still works there, by the way, like uh, seven years later. No, not that one. Yeah, seven years later, I think. Um, on his resume was that in on the side, he had built a game, like a video game. Obviously nothing to do with NetSuite. And he posted it. It was open source, so he posted it. And the interview was largely him walking me through sort of the code and interesting design challenges he had worked through and demoing the game to us. Um, nothing to do with NetSuite or SweetScript at all. And I hired him. Mm -hmm. Like without thinking about it <laughs> because it was so much more uh, visible and clear what he was doing as opposed to like the bullet points on a resume of like, I closed a hundred Jira tickets or whatever, whatever other great advice you get for writing a resume.
Um, yeah. I I did not put a lot of stock into resumes, to be fair. So perhaps I'm biased um, in that direction against them, but they don't do a lot to tell you about the character or the problem-solving capabilities of a person. So the more you can do to showcase your personality and actual work and problem-solving abilities, the better off you are. And you can't do that if you're not working in public. Or it's a lot easier if you are working in public. Right. I think it's another one of those uh, you know, opportunities where there's potential for opportunities to come to you versus you having to go after them. If you're, again, if you're like putting work out there and sharing it and showing the kind of work that you're capable of, there's a pretty good chance you're going to have people reaching out to you to say, hey, can you do that for me? It may be a project, maybe a you know a full time job. Who knows? But mm-hmm. yeah, you, I, I I totally agree with you. Um, you know, and we I think we've both experienced that, right? You've you pick up a lot of clients from the work that you've done, you know, in the sweet script space, the books that you wrote, and things like that. Your videos. That's how you and I are talking. That's how I got to know you from the work you had done. I would mm-hmm. never, I would never have met you had you know, had you not been putting work out. Um, and, you know, I get a ton of business that way as well, you know, from the work I put out, from the blog posts and so on. And so, yeah, I, I just, I think it is extremely important, regardless of where you are in your career, you know, to just be constantly, not constantly, but just share, you know, share knowledge, share code as best you can. Mm-hmm. I think it, it really, it can't hurt. Yeah. I do want to be... I'm realizing how recently we recorded the episode on burnout. So we should be a little careful. Like don't, you know, do work in public. Don't do it to the exclusion of the rest of your life. You don't need to spend your entire life writing code unless you really, really want to. I know there are, do tend to be developers who do that. They write code for eight or 10 hours a day at their full-time job. And then they go home at night and they write eight or 10 more hours of code. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, but you don't have to do that much. You don't need, you don't need huge elaborate projects that you've built on your own. You don't need to be, I don't know, contributing to Node.js or something like that. Like you don't, but just do some work, some small projects, some writing, some, whether it's, yeah, whether it's writing or video or code or audio whatever sort of allows you to something you enjoy, first of all, and allows you to showcase your personality and your interests, that's going to make it much easier for one, you to learn more about yourself and know a lot more about what you want or maybe what you don't want. And then it's also going to make it easier for employers to recognize that stuff in you as well. Uh, So it makes that relationship establishment easier yeah i think we're getting close to wrapping up there's one other thing i wanted to point out sort of general advice and Mm -hmm. it kind of goes back to what i was saying earlier about you should always you know always be networking you know always be trying to meet people and learn about them and so on and so forth before you need a job or before you you know whatever and similar to that i would recommend that take every once in a while whether you're looking for work or not look and see what's out there and i'm not saying that because you know 
there may be a better job out there, you know, whatever. It, if you've got a great job, great. Um, but it's good to kind of get a sense of like what people are hiring for and what the job market looks like. And when I was doing those searches for the jobs, you know, on the different job sites, it was it was kind of an eye opener to see, you know, just not only what the opportunities are, but the companies that are hiring and, you know, the nuances of how they're presenting the jobs and so on and so forth. Um, it was kind of encouraging, honestly. I mean, I think we both would agree that it seems like the NetSuite development market right now is red hot. Um, I, I don't, you know, it's, but it was good to kind of see that in the sense of who's hiring for that, you know. And there's some cool companies that are hiring for NetSuite talent. Mm-hmm. And that was, it was encouraging, you know. So anyway, I guess the advice is, you know, even if you're not looking for work, it might be a good idea to poke around on some of those sites and get an idea of what, you know, what the job market's like. I'm going to go back to no job is guaranteed for infinite time. You should be, you should understand the job market that you're in and you you don't need to be like an expert in it or anything like that, but you should be aware of what's happening around you and trends in the space, um, lest your job be swept out from under you because many of those market forces, and by many, I mean all of those market forces are completely out of your control. <laughs> so you are not being disloyal uh, or anything like that by just looking and trying to better understand what other people in your space are doing, what the trends are. It gives you better, gives you yourself better awareness of what's going on around you. It gives you ideas for opportunities to bring back to your current company if you do happen to love your job. Um, and that in itself adds value, and, you know, increases your own value to that company. So be aware. All right. It's a lot of work doing work. (laughs) A lot of work looking for work. Yeah. Well, I think we've covered a lot of ground in this, and I hope it's helpful to, you know, people that are out there, especially those that are, you know, looking for work at the moment. And, uh, you know, and hopefully for people that in the future are considering a new position, I think. We've definitely covered everything that I can think of. Yeah, there is nothing else on my list. So should we wrap up with our our cool thing? <laughs> sure. You, you can go, go first. first. I don't have one. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> well, mine is completely geeky. Um, and I don't even know how I found this. It must have been somebody posted it to Hacker News or something, but... And boy, was it a throwback for me. But um, Dungeon Magazine, which Uh, was uh a magazine that was focused on Dungeons and Dragons. Um, I know that you have played it as well. Big fan. Yeah, I mean, it was a. I remember when it was being published, and you could find it. There was a really cool store in um, in Baltimore that carried games and 
you know, obviously they had all the TSR games and stuff. And I right. remember that magazine being available there. And it, you know, it was one of those things where it's like, oh man, that's cool. The artwork on the covers was always like, so just, I, I loved it. It's a magazine that was published from 1986, which I thought it was earlier than that, but apparently from 86 until 2003. And then you can read about it um, in the link, but I guess it went online and hmm. it, you know, merged with another magazine or something like that. But anyway, all those past issues are on internet archive. And even if you just go there and just scroll to see the covers, it's pretty cool. But uh, I'm going to admit that I, you know, went into some of them and was like, oh man, this, this brings back memories. <laughs> some cool stuff in there. It was back when magazines were magazines and they were, you know, right. it was a cool time. So, um, so that's my cool thing. Definitely geeking out on that one, but I bet there's a lot of other people out there that would appreciate that one too. I still play every week, so. <laughs> cool. Um, and didn't you tell me that it, that's also somewhere else online? Like it's not just on internet on the archive.org site, right? Didn't you say that there's. Oh, I, I, I pointed you to the actual, the online magazine. Now it's called dragon plus now. Okay. We should link to that one so too. You find that. Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. All right. My cool thing. I have been sort of upgrading my, some of my equipment, my, uh, just my workspace for, I spend a lot of time on video, um, just calls and, and things like that. So I've been spending a lot of time and energy uh, increasing the quality of this space. But I finally, this is going to make me sound uh, stuck in my ways, perhaps. I finally, I have been wearing to this point these huge noise-canceling wired headphones, like forever. Um, and they're great, and they're super comfortable, and high quality, but I have since upgraded to some Shure, they're Shure 212, uh, maybe 215, 215s, in-ear monitors. They're wireless and just like earbuds that, that then like hook over your ears, and there's a little clip that uh, anchors them to the back of your shirt. Uh, they're so great. <laughs> they're amazing. <laughs> they are the best purchase I've made in such a long time. And now I can sit here and talk with my hands and I can walk around. <laughs> uh, it's amazing. And so sure SE two fifteens, uh, they're amazing. I think my next upgrade will be a, like a wireless, uh, mic so that I can just move <laughs> all around wherever I want to go to talk. I do a lot of moving and gesturing when I talk. So, yeah. Or I prefer to. I hate being stuck in a chair and threatening to hit a microphone or stretch <laughs> a wire too far. Yeah. Well, that's pretty awesome. So, again, well, that's we'll, a... of course, link to those. Right. Awesome. All right. You want to close this out? Sure. So, I think we did it. It's a long episode. <laughs> uh, they're all getting, they're, they get longer every time, I think. Okay. Well, thank you for joining us. Come back next time for more Sweet Script Stories. Goodbye.